This is CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about CG. This podcast is powered by GarageFarm.net, a place where 3D cloud rendering is incredibly fast and cheap. And we're back with CG Talks, the podcast where CG guys talk about computer graphics. Today I have Kei Jong with me, a CG artist and an architect. We were talking about uh, AI and all different new tools that are coming for the artists or are going to replace the artists. That's that depends on the uh, on the approach that you take. Um, and uh, now I would like to talk about the tools that John uses for his artworks. Uh, so let's maybe start off with uh, the question: What is your main three D DCC? and what makes it the best tool for you yeah so my my time at the moment is usually um actually equally split among cinema 4d rhino and houdini but if i have to pick just one it would be cinema 4d and it is because um well i picked Cinema 4d uh initially as a gateway to render softwares when I first started learning about rendering six years ago. Notably, uh, I tried to get into Octane and Redshift uh, Render. Well, I, I've used Maya and Freeze Max for, for work too, but Cinema 40 is just much uh, snappier. The UI is much quicker. And, and also, in my opinion, has the best material management system, uh, which is um, very good for... Uh, managing architectural scenes, as you could imagine, that has a lot of materials. And Cinema 40 is the only DCC that allows you to open multiple projects in tabs, like a like a browser, uh, without opening another instance of Cinema 40 when you want to copy and paste object across files, different like different files, um, and. Uh, and Rhino, uh, as for uh, Rhino and Houdini, uh, Rhino is my primary modeling uh, software, which I've been using for, I think, 12 years now. Um, uh, I think Rhino, Rhino is still, uh, is always, is still my, my uh, favorite modeling software. Uh, I've been using it for such a long time now. It is um, basically, uh, is, is basically, um, uh, to me, uh, I just use it uh, by instinct, and and Houdini is something that I've been trying to learn in the past uh, two years um, because when uh, because I was trying to get more into the animation side of things, and uh, I realized that uh, there is uh, so much so little that you can do in Cinema 4D to um, to automate. Uh, stuff in a more procedural way that um, that I have to get into Houdini, um, but um, but yeah, but currently um, I see I, I use a lot more than this three softwares, but uh, this would this three would be uh, the main ones. Mm-hmm. Talking about uh, Rhino, uh, have you been using also like plugins like as Grasshopper or? Uh... Because there are, I know, I know architects use it for gener- generative architecture in Rhino. 
yeah, I actually first got into Rhino because I have to use Grasshopper in uh, back in university, and um, uh, but nowadays I realize that actually a lot of what you can do in Grasshopper, um, I can do much better in Houdini, and uh, and being able to render it directly in Redshift in Houdini as well. So I spend uh, much less time now using Grasshopper. Mm -hmm. Okay, so that, that's uh, probably for the architectural part of, of your works, because uh, from what I know, Rhino is more like a design software used for architecture or, or general design. It's using a, a, like more a CAD approach than the other uh, DCCs that you mentioned that are used for animation. Um, and you introduce a lot of human and animal char characters in your artworks. Are there specific tools that you use for this task? Uh, can you tell us a bit about your workflow for this part of, of, the, of the art? Yeah, so, uh, for, so for characters, I use um, Character Creator and iClone to create and animate my characters, respectively. Then. I use a marvelous designer to model and simulate the clothes. And then usually the character and then the, the simulated clothing will go into Houdini for some post-sim cleanup uh, before eventually going into Cinema 4D and Redshift for rendering. As for the animals, unfortunately, I don't really have a good workflow. Uh, it's usually a combination of ZBrush for sculpting, Maya for grooming, Sometimes I simply just project a, a photo onto a blob of mesh, uh, like why? Like it is a technique that I that I stole from Ian Hubert, uh, and basically just grow a bunch of hair from it and call it a day. Uh, I'm definitely not the artist that you should seek advice for creating CG animals. Hmm. Yeah, but uh, that's always uh, that's always curious to to hear about artists coping with this kind of uh, task because you know you can't be you can't be a specialist in everything but you kind of have to do a lot of uh, a lot of areas um, in your work and you have to handle it somehow like using shortcuts tools pre-made assets like for humans uh, have you been dabbling with uh, meta uh, meta human for uh, for an unreal engine for example have you tried it yeah, I've played around with uh, MetaHuman, but I I haven't used it actually in any projects yet. Uh, um, I mean, um, strangely, uh, MetaHuman looks really good in in a vacuum. Like if you open their Unreal Engine, um, there's a there's a sample project. There, if if you put the MetaHuman in a studio lighting environment, it looks very convincing. But if you if you try to uh, put them in context, it just looks out of place. And uh, the quality is not convincing enough for me to use them in uh, in my profession, in my uh, personal works or in, in my professional um, work. So um, I hope it will get a lot better because uh, then I can, uh, then I, I can speed up my workflow a lot faster um, in real time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, I wanted to ask also about uh, 
the tools that you maybe wanted to use but haven't had a chance or op opportunity to use is there is, is there such a tool that you do like to learn but you didn't have the time or chance to to get your hands yeah. on it yeah so uh one thing that i that i really wanted to but i never had a chance to use is uh motion capture mocap uh, mocap suits or mocap technology in general so I remember I first saw uh, Xsense mocap suit in person a couple of years ago at an Unreal conference, uh, seeing uh, a person in a mocap suit and another person using an iPad as a camera to uh, to shoot, and then having a and then having a creature and a person in a spacesuit appearing on screen. It, it was it was kind of mind blowing and. I, I've seen scenes uh, really wanted to use mocap, but I still don't have the opportunity to. Um, it's just because uh, mocap suits prices in general, in combination with other softwares, are more or less upwards of £10,000 per year, which is uh, way beyond my budget. There's a, uh, there's a startup called uh, Move.ai uh, that introduced a suit list uh, mocap this year. I've signed up for the beta, but uh, I'm following it very closely. But I haven't. I have yet to hear back from them. Mm -hmm. We we also interviewed uh, in, uh, on CG Talks. We interviewed um, CEO of uh, Deep Motion. Uh, oh, I see. Also a service uh, offering uh, video to motion capture data service. It's using some kind of machine learning AI technology uh, to to analyze the. Uh, the images, but it's still it's still not the quality that you get from a mocap suit. But you know, seeing the the tempo of of development of all these AI technologies and things that are improving every month, uh, probably this will be like a technology more available to everyday artists um, in the future. Like the, the, you you won't need the suits, but the video is enough. I'm thinking like of, of it as a step, you know, animators do use their video footage that they, they record themselves acting and then they just like manually animate stuff. And right now it's yeah. like a machine is like replacing art and artists in this step. And that's, I think that's pretty exciting because it allows to quicker, you know, get from the thought about something to the, res the end result. Yeah, I, I mean, if any any mocap companies are open to sponsoring artists, I'm more than happy to create showcase projects in return for a mocap suit. <laughs> yeah, I've seen like uh, the the latest uh, um, challenge from from Clinton Jones also offered Rococo suits uh, as the main prize, but you, know, you have to be yeah. one of the <laughs> few thousand artists that wins the first prize for uh, it. Yeah. So lucky, lucky guy who had that chance. And um, have you had the chance to work uh, using uh, VR? I've seen like really interesting stuff done by, by by sculptors, for example, that they describe this process in VR glasses and VR um, manipulators, that this is like a more streamlined workflow than the traditional mouse and keyboard. Yeah, so if you look at my ArtStation portfolio, you would actually see the first project that I published is an Unreal Engine project. Uh, and oddly enough, uh, I mean, uh, uh, after that, I, I actually haven't looked into VR much. And 
uh, there and there are there are two main reasons. So one is uh, I've tried using uh, VR headsets. I I just I just get nauseous very quickly in about fifteen minutes. So um, whether it is uh, whether it is because of the low frame rate or whether uh, whether because of uh, because of just because I uh, my uh, I'm not uh, I. Uh, I'm not adapted to uh, looking at um, uh, screens at such a close distance. I have no idea, but uh, that put me off from using uh, VR in the first place. But uh, if we're talking about just creating VR environments in general, um, uh, or more specifically, like using Unreal uh, Engine 5, um, I think the qual to me, uh, the quality uh is not quite there yet and because i'm an architect i'm very meticulous and uh, about um about the uh, about um materials uh and like textures in in particular are are not showing as as good are still not showing as good as uh, that you could get in offline renders say like v-ray or reshift renders so um, I haven't had much, I haven't really worked on much in VR or in any game engines since, uh, since the first project that I published on ArtStation. Uh, but if, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure that Unreal Engine got a lot better next year in next version. So, um, I will definitely, uh, uh, try it out more later on. Yeah, what I what I meant was more like the the headsets as a interface for for the artists, like uh, uh, the the immersion. But uh, as you mentioned, the technology is probably not yet there, and uh, like for for some people that get nauseous, or uh, I've I've thought the same about maybe you know this uh, wave of three uh, D uh, cinema that was uh, at the time when <laughs> Avatar came out. This was like a self-pronounced revolution in cinema which turned yes. out to be just like a additional genre, genre of movies which some people like and others don't like there were a lot of people that didn't enjoy the experience that much and they wanted to see the traditional movies and that maybe also gets into the ai thing a little bit because you know Sometimes it seems like we are solving an issue that's not really there. Like I've seen an ad recently, an ad of a VR uh, headset with an app for artists to practice live drawing with a human figure. And I thought, yeah. well, that's great, but why? Why do you really even need? You know, there's a there's an additional value that you can do it anywhere and whenever you want it. But this, that's that's not really a, such a big deal just to go for a live drawing session. With a real life situation, like why, why even bothered making all this technology to solve the problem that's not really like a problem in itself, right? So maybe sometimes uh, yeah. we are like overcomplicating stuff. I agree. Yeah, but I think like the immersion in terms of like VR, it's maybe more of a technological thing that to solve and to let people to let artists not to have to you know rely so much on a technological interface. Um, that wasn't really designed for art. Like for example, a mouse and keyboard, it's not really designed to be an artist's tool, right? Yeah, um, yeah talking about, I mean, talking about 
um, the art artist who actually, uh, I mean, funny, funny enough, um, I, I actually uh, have, because um, I, I know that a lot of artists use uh, stylus, but I actually um, have been using a trackball mouse for, uh, for like more than more than a decade. I, I personally actually um, f feel like using a mouse is more intuitive than uh, than using than using a pen, um, even for sculpting. <laughs> uh, but that's just me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So probably you know this kind of uh, handles with uh, VR is kind of something in between because it's like using your hands. Like for a sculptor, I I've seen like mostly positive reactions from sculptors that are doing sculpture in VR because this kind of reminds of the real life situation when you're sculpting with a tool and with your hand. So I'm thinking that this is uh, more of trying to be as natural for the artist as possible, but it also comes down to, you know, getting used to some workflows probably. Um, as yeah. like someone who's drawing all his life, maybe it's more natural for him to just hand, uh, keep a pen in his hand, but it's, yeah, it takes some muscle memory, probably. Uh, I, th I think that what you said about uh, offline renders that are still ahead of uh, of um, the real-time engines. Uh, well, I just wanted to use that opportunity to, to ask you about uh, your render farm experience because, uh, yeah, the CG Talks podcast is sponsored by GarageFarm.net and... I think it would be nice to also scratch this topic. Uh, as a 3D artist, you said you, you are using render farms. What's, what was your experience so far with these kind of services? Yeah, so I only use render farms for animation projects. And since my my goal of, of this year is actually to learn character animations. So as you could imagine, I've used render farm uh, quite a lot throughout the year. Using Renafarm is definitely a learning process. Uh, I would say there are a lot more things to consider when using um, when using a Renafarm, like I normally uh, wouldn't think about when rendering locally, like the cache size, uploading and downloading, bandwidth, uh, plugin support, and so on. Uh, and uh, and one thing that uh, is really crucial to me is um, Redshift proxy support, um, which is basically um, basically uh, a, a format uh, like uh, like V-Ray Scene, I think, is um, uh, that is able to export allows me to export whole scene um, with a lot of heavy geometry, and then being and then keeping the UI very fluid, uh, so that I can. Uh, put as much detail I can fit in into a lot of my projects, like uh, and like a lot of the works that you will see in my projects have a lot of architectural details, and um, yeah. So um, so Garage Farm is one of the uh, render farms, one of the few render farms that truly support uh, Redshift proxies, and uh, I have to say, using Render Farm, uh, uh, putting the uh, putting the learning process aside, maybe for the first or the second time using it is amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great to hear. Uh, yeah, and we're trying to do our best to, to support the artists and to make the workflow as seamless as possible. But as you mentioned, there's, there's a lot of technical details that go into the process because you're working with a, an external 
um, computer environment and there are always like possible issues because of that and uh, yeah that's good to consider also making test test renders with the farm and to check whether everything is working uh and uh, you mentioned that um you are uh, wanted to learn character animation so that's kind of like another skill set uh, and the tool uh, i wanted to ask how do you manage the, this kind of broad variety that uh, that's involved into making 3d artworks um do you have like a particular uh, way of doing that or, or maybe you thought about mm, collaborating with someone on a bigger project because like Right now, you're doing your project as a you know one one man army, so to speak, like a generalist. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, yeah, like big bigger projects of uh, of uh, the sort of uh, like movies or even short movies, they they very often involve like a whole team of specialists. So these are maybe two questions in one, like the variety and how you manage yourself, yeah. and have you thought about uh, working in a team maybe in the future. Yeah, so uh, to your first uh, first question, um, I don't really think about much. Uh, I don't really think or, or don't really actively manage, uh, like you said, a variety of things. I don't think about as much. But this is partially, I think, because due to my training as an architect, already uh, acclimated myself to a wide range of disciplines. In, in general, I, I don't learn a particular software or a discipline just in case I might need it in the future. I only learn it in, in time if I need it in a particular project. Or if I, uh, or if I learn it, I, I would force myself to use it right away. Uh, a case in point, I never really bothered to learn about um, optimizing uh, redshift render times until I started working on more animation projects this year. Uh, uh, I used to just put it on, put all the settings on default, but then I learned that uh, it's just, it's just it's going to take so much time and money uh, to render animation. So I had to learn about the various methods of denoising, the pros and cons of different sampling uh, methods, the tools of the AI tools of frame interpolation, all these to cut down my render times. And so my my tool set and the discipline that I touch upon gradually uh, builds up over project and project organically rather than I actually just planned, that, uh, planned out and that I have to actually actively manage it. And to your second question about whether I want to uh, work with a team, um, yeah, although I really value full control of my work, uh, which I think a lot of the architects would uh, would uh, uh, would agree that we uh, everything uh, everything that we do are very deliberate. Nothing happens by accident. Uh, I would like to work in team given the opportunity. If I if I have forty hours forty eight hours in a day, I would actually take a take just any position in, in, in and join a film crew uh, simply to experience and learn more about the, uh, uh, particularly the filming process. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, uh, maybe in the future it will happen. Well, who knows? Um, and right now uh, with your artworks, 
you mentioned that you learn for uh, like each each part uh, project based like when when there's a need you you just learn the area but which of these uh, parts of the workflow uh, for now you enjoy the most like what's your what's your forte or maybe the thing that you really enjoy in the process of of making an artwork hmm. um to be honest the i enjoy every part of of the 3d process i i enjoy the i enjoy the modeling part uh, modeling feels like meditation to me um i enjoy the um i enjoy the rendering part i would say rendering part is easily the um my the most enjoyable part uh, out of the whole process but also uh, took but also take the longest part out of usually like 80% of the time of a typical project. Uh, the one part, though, um, not necessarily uh, within the 3D workflow, but um, uh, but a part including uh, putting out a project online, I would say is uh, the part that I would I don't really enjoy, and I would very much like AI to take take that over is um, reformatting my work um just because i have to uh put them to different platforms so like um so like nowadays that would be a vertical portrait video for instagram um for youtube that would be a 2k video um i wish there is a much simpler way but um a lot of people uh don't realize it actually takes a lot of time to edit and reformat uh this um artworks just so that uh, artists can post them up onto different platforms so uh i i would say that is the least enjoyable part mm -hmm. yeah that's probably that's that's the thing that can be automated in in a way maybe someone is already working on a tool for this uh so maybe uh like uh one one final question about the uh, about the work that you're doing uh would be uh can you imagine or seeing all the all the artworks that you already did and looking into the future is there like a dream 3d project that you would like to do on your own or with the help of someone else like a dream project that you'd like to take part in or or do yourself yeah um uh it, it is um i i do have a lot i do have a ton of ideas um um one that what a short term goal of mine is actually or or actually a project that i that i, I am already working on is a a longer a, a longer form cg animation uh about uh two minutes uh that i've been working on i'm trying to uh uh basically basically i'm trying to do more uh, character animation uh, without a uh, uh, without a mocap suit um but um at the moment uh, uh my uh, like i like i mentioned earlier really mocap is one area that i really wanted to explore more because um audience relates a lot more if 
the if there are characters in the environment and of course if that it would be much better if there is a consistent storyline and consistent uh consistent um characters within the animation so uh i would say that uh this would i would say that once the technology becomes more affordable and more available i would like to experiment with much longer form animations uh with stories and more character interactions uh another one is unreal engine which i mentioned as well um i would very much like to uh jump back into unreal engine once the quality has uh raised um in next year or the year after um where i I'm interested in in working on uh, uh, on games as well. Even though I even though I have a very uh, I have very little knowledge of coding, uh, but maybe AI will uh, will be able to automate that part for me. Um, but yeah, the, I would say uh, it is not. I would say even though these are not specific, uh, I don't have a specific story or a specific. Idea, but these are character animations and games would be the two areas that I that I would like to explore, or or is my dream to explore in in the future. Hmm. Yeah. So so more like uh, as we we talk about the AI. So it it comes down that we really want to tell stories about humans, so to speak. You're talking about characters that you're diving into character based stories. I'm thinking that this is this kind of like wraps up our whole conversation. That this is the machines to you know to serve uh, the human uh, the human factor that uh, that is using them to to tell their human stories and yeah to make the art that uh, that's relatable and not just it's not just about pixels. It's about uh, the story that we tell through the pixels, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty uh, pretty glad that we had that conversation. It's, it's it was it was really a little bit uh, you know more more into the AI topic that, that I, than I thought uh, at the very beginning. But uh, I think that this is a topic that's uh, that's so close to our hearts right now because it's uh, it kind of makes us question the whole the whole meaning of of what we do. But yeah, I get the. I get the feeling from our conversation that there's still there's still the future for the human in inside of this whole thing, and it's uh, yeah. Just to end on an optimistic note, that it's really all about uh, the stories, and I'm I'm finding that human factor in your artworks. I hope that uh, our audience will also enjoy watching these, and hoping for the longer form to arrive in the nearest future. And yeah, and let the technology serve this noble purpose. Yeah, thank you very much for having me on the podcast, and I appreciate you taking time. Yeah, thank you, thank you for for giving your time to us, and um, wishing all all the best, and uh, see you around in all the art online community. And I encourage our all our audience to to find your works, follow and support your work. Yep. Thanks Thank you. Again.